Welcome or welcome back to Pre-Arab Excellence, a Roots-based Chicago Cubs podcast. With an eye on player development, pull up a chair while I take a deeper dive into the concerns for the team's present and future. Questions are always welcomed, whether on Twitter, Tim815, on the Anchor contest line, or on my Facebook Pre-Arb Excellence group. Thanks for stopping by for today's episode, Nastiness and Train Racing, and ask me questions if I was confusing. What I'm going to probably end up doing once in a while is combining the pipeline review with an idea I've been running with. The idea I've been running with will be in a written article on the Patreon angle, uh, probably Monday sometime, because there are no minor league games in the Cubs pipeline on Monday, so Monday or Tuesday possibly. But um, the night in the pipeline was fantastic, particularly if you like pitching. But I want to talk a little bit about train racing. I don't know if you are into trains whatsoever. I was mentioning in my article, written article, I think I've been on a train at some point, an actual train, as opposed to like a subway train. But I think I've been on a train train, but I can't specifically remember why. But I have no particular problems with trains, none whatsoever. Uh, Some people do trains quite often. Some people rarely do trains. Um, I remember a stand-up comedian talking about trains, kind of jabbing at people who take trains. But trains are a portion of my thought process now because I love allegories. I love allegories. I love comps. Comparisons between this situation and that situation and assessing what are the similarities and the dissimilarities. And most people know when you're in an automobile approaching a railroad track, you should be very careful. Trains can sometimes move rather fast. And it's hard for trains to stop on a dime. It's very difficult for trains to stop. So, if you're deciding that you want to have your car or your person, either one, race across a railroad crossing when there is a train approaching you had probably better be awfully darn sure you're going to make it across safely. There is very little reason, usually, to, hey, I'm going to take a chance and try to cross in front of this train. Regardless how long the train is, you're probably not going to be delayed by much more than five or ten minutes. And in most instances, you're probably better off waiting the five or ten minutes than dying in an accident. I'm just saying, racing a train is probably not 
a good idea. And train racing is now my term of choice for when someone wants to call up a prospect prematurely. Train racing. Well, that seems rather, I don't know, uh, extreme comparing train racing to calling up Brennan Davis or whoever too early. Because after all, if you call up a player too early, there's no blowback. There's never any blowback for calling up a player too early. Well, actually, there kind of is. Sometimes when players are called up, they don't do well their first time. Mike Trout didn't do well his first time. Anthony Rizzo didn't do well his first time. Frankly, Greg Maddox didn't do well in either of his first two seasons. There is no sort of guarantee that a player that is going to be called up will do well his first time through the league. There's no sort of guarantee. There may be evidence, but there's no guarantee. Train racing. You're train racing. And part of the problem with train racing, with calling up players too early, is oftentimes someone is designated for assignment. Now, last July, the Cubs played around that expertly. When the Cubs traded Jack Peterson, they had an open 40-man roster spot when Frank Schwindel was on waivers. Hey, let's just claim this Schwindel guy, put him on the 40-man roster. I have no idea how he's going to do I have no idea if he's going to be any good or not. But at least we have an open 40-man roster spot. He won't be stealing anybody's job. So the Cubs uh, claimed Schwindel, sent him to Iowa, and about two weeks later, Schwindel took over the first base job and ran with it. And nobody lost their job over it. Well, uh, Luke Voigt might have lost his job in the, in the Bronx, but that's not a Cubs problem. As I look at the Cubs' current 40-man roster, of the players that are realistically under consideration for this sort of thing happening, there's nobody I want to be purged from the roster. There's nobody that, I want this person to go away forever. I want this person to be Audi. Nobody on that list. Nobody on the 40-man roster list that is reasonably well under consideration that I want to have go away. None of them. Don't want to have Ethan Roberts go away. I don't want to have Rafael Ortega go away. I don't want to have Michael Hermosillo go away unless there is a reason for it. And Rather soon, the Cubs are going to have to make a few roster moves in late April, before May 1st, to reduce the roster size from 28 to 26, and someone is going to have to go away. However that's going to be done, I'm not quite sure how that's going to be done, 
but somebody will have to go away. And if you're doing the train racing thing, especially now, you're going to make those decisions even more difficult. If you wish to be a junior executive, and I have no problem with that, if you wish to be a junior executive and say the Cubs ought to call up this guy, the Cubs ought to call up that guy, the Cubs ought to make this trade, the Cubs ought to make that trade, I have no problem with that. If you're going to say the Cubs ought to do this, the Cubs ought to do that, you ought to have a public airing space where people can check in and see how accurate your predictions are, assess your assessments, all that kind of stuff. But if you're just talking to get stuff off your chest, nobody really cares. Really, nobody really cares. It's about like you talking about your fantasy baseball team or your six-way parlay in the gambling booth the other night. Nobody really cares. Nobody cares. If you're trying to decide this is a trade the Cubs ought to make, this is a draft selection the Cubs ought to make, this is a waiver claim the Cubs ought to make, you ought to have a public spot where you're posting stuff so people can assess if your ideas are logical, if they are the ones that are being followed. Because if you are reasonably accurate, then possibly people ought to take you seriously. But if you're saying stuff that doesn't make any sense, like the Cubs ought to hurry up Brennan Davis to the major leagues right now because he homered last night, you're train racing. You're train racing. You're train racing. That's my term now. You're train racing. What does he mean by train racing? Well, come come listen to the podcast. Um, if you want to make decisions on what makes the most sense for the Cubs long term, hey, cool. If you want to call up somebody earlier than should be done, hey, cool. Have your own spot where you are making your public announcements and we will assess you and your ideas based on whether they come true or not. As for Saturday night in the Cubs pipeline, it was fantastic if you like pitching. Caleb Killian started for Iowa. He faced 10 batters. He struck out six of them. He was he actually wasn't as good as sometimes as far as actually throwing strikes. He had more two-ball and three-ball counts than I'm used to. But when you're striking out ten batters, uh, six batters out of ten and really allow no sort of damage whatsoever, yeah, I'll take that. Lock St. John gave up a run to tie the game. I think it was tied. Um, the I-Cubs hit three home runs, including Brennan Davis, hitting one out for his first base hit of the season. And with a, let's see, who was fantastic? Er er Eric Yulman. Eric Ullman is deserving of of a major league call-up. He won't get one because he's not on the 40-man roster yet. He's going to have to displace someone and somebody's going to have to get traded or something like that. But, um, yeah, Eric Ullman probably belongs in Major League Baseball right now. He, uh, 
mid 95 96 three or four pitches able to go two innings there's really not a whole lot to complain about he should be at the major league level rather soon as soon as there is a roster spot he probably deserves one of them the only way you're going to call him up now is if you're into train racing though um manny rodriguez will be the next one to get a call up eric ullman has done better than Manny Rodriguez. Uh, the save went to Inuris Rosario, who stunningly last year went from short season ball, the compound league, to AAA and belonged. You don't do that. You don't skip low A, high A, double A, and go from short season ball to your first full season league appearances being at AAA and represent there. That just doesn't happen. Anuris Rosario, it happened. It happened, and it's absolutely stunning. He's now the closer for the I-Cubs. I-Cubs get to a situation where it's a closing situation. Anuris Rosario comes in, throws 95-96, and bring it. Uh, he's, he's worth following. He's worth paying attention to. If he continues to do this stuff, uh, once players start getting traded, well, you know how that goes. Um, three home runs for the I-Cubs, Jared Young with his first, Brennan Davis with his first, and in the ninth inning, in a recently tied game, Trent Giambroni hit a two-run homer. And that as a two-run homer came in kind of handy when the first hitter to Rosario homered to cut it to four to three, but Rosario retired the next three hitters, no problem. I Cubs win four to three. They go for a split today. Their starting pitching option is Corey Abbott, who lost on Tuesday. Tennessee has played two games against Chattanooga. Chattanooga is the Reds affiliate. Division foe, note to self, note to self, note to self. When the Cubs play games against the Reds, the Pirates, the Cardinals, or the Brewers affiliates, any of those four, those games are doubly important because not only are we assessing the Cubs, but we are assessing the Cubs against a team that is a NLC division rival. The Cubs have played two games against Chattanooga. Chattanooga has four hits and no runs combined in those two days. Two games, no runs, four hits. Rafael Morel... Started the offense with a, I think it was a single, and then he stole second and scored on a, uh, was that the, he scored on a single. I can't remember who drove, it might, I don't think it was Maldonado who drove him in. Um, but the Tennessee scored one in the first, one in the sixth, one in the eighth. Ryan Jensen, 
allowed a scratch infield single in the second inning. That was the only hit of the night. There were a little, there were a couple of touchy moments late when Scott Kobos inning went walk, strikeout, walk, strikeout, strikeout. But again, nobody for Cincinnati outside of a scratch hit in the second inning managed to hit. I'm good with that. I'm good with I'm completely good with Cincinnati's offense not doing a darn thing against Tennessee. Today it is um uh Riley Thompson. Riley Thompson? Riley Thompson? Yeah. Riley Thompson on the mound making his first appearance in a while after injury. Uh, so he's basically missed two seasons. I would imagine his uh, pitch count will be rather tight. Most of them have been. But with Monday off, there's basically no reason to hold back too much as far as the bullpen. It should be pretty much everybody in the bullpen pitches today that didn't pitch yesterday. Uh, Brett, Brandon Liebrandt, a left-hander, started in... I think it was Florida State, could have been Florida. He's been in a couple different organizations. Cubs are bringing him in. We'll see. Uh, he pitched fairly well in relief. Um, really, everybody pitched well. Everybody pitched well. Kobos was probably the least entertaining. Again, he walked two of the five guys, but he struck out the other three. Uh, got the save. Uh, all is good. Um yeah, the Tennessee pitching. They've given up four hits in two games and no runs. T tough to find much to argue about. South Bend won a close game against Quad City. Um, let's see. The pitcher was DJ Hers, and it, it was definitely Hers Day. I, it, the announcers were effectively laughing at how far advanced he is over some of the hitters in advanced A-ball. Hers will get his pitch count up to a certain level in advanced A ball. But once things happen and roster spots are, well, and once there's upward mobility going on, upward mobility is when, for instance, let's say a Cubs pitcher gets injured. Corey Abbott gets called up to take up a um, rotation spot. Because Corey Abbott gets called up, someone from Double A gets called up to Triple A, and then somebody from Advanced A gets called up to Double A, and then somebody from Low A gets called up to Advanced A. You see how that's upward mobility? Once upward mobility starts going on, DJ Hers will be called up. Not immediately, but probably... Second week of June, eh, just guessing. Uh, give him his six weeks in South Bend and then call him the heck up. Uh, he's better in the league. He's better in the league. Nothing a whole lot going on yesterday to change that opinion. Max Bain is getting a bit extended out. His outings in spring training were a little bit shorter than one might have expected. I think he was the one that gave up a run. I think, I think, I think, I think. Uh, but the South Bend pitching late was rather good. 
and they ended up winning what was uh three to two very key at bat very key at bat from a play over the offseason i have expected matt mervis to get released mervis is a was a college two-way player kind of a, a power or nothing sort of guy first baseman could possibly play a little bit of outfield but he's basically a first baseman came up in the seventh or eighth inning runners on first and third one out it's one of those situations where normally you're going to expect the guy to try to hit a three-run homer because that's what big power hitters generally try to do mervis came up with an approach that was completely appropriate for the situation he wanted to take the first pitch that he could hit a 250-foot fly ball. and hit a 250-foot fly ball. You know what he did? He had a 250-foot fly ball. The left fielder caught it. The run scored. South Bend took the lead and won the game. That's a good offensive approach. When you have the chance to drive in the game-winning run, try to drive in the game-winning run. Don't be a superhero. Don't be a superstar. Don't swing at the third pitch in the dirt. Hit the ball to the bleeding outfielder and score the run. South Bend wins. Uh, what was that? I think it was three to two. I think it was. I'm, I'm not looking at my notes. It's three to two. Um, Myrtle Beach against Charleston. Charleston's really good. Charleston's really good. However, despite Charleston winning seven to two, and Myrtle Beach's two runs coming very, 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 very late. Luke Little had a very auspicious full-season debut, pitched two innings, scoreless, was better than Charleston's hitters. One of the uh, one of the people who retweets, um, who one of the people who posts a lot of highlights as far as. Uh, either DJ Hers clips or wh whichever, wh whichever player does something. It, it, he's one of the, I, I can't remember who did it, but somebody posted some um, Luke Little highlights on Twitter. Rick Sutcliffe sub-texted his tweet. Oh my goodness, Rick Sutcliffe sub-texting your tweet is awesome. Absolutely awesome. Uh, Luke Little, I have no idea what's going to happen there. But when you have a guy who's 6'8", 6'9", I think he's 6'8". I think he's 6'8". Throwing 97, 98, 99, 100. That's interesting. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how he's going to develop. I don't know if he's going to stay healthy. I don't know all those things. But he's interesting. He's very interesting. When you have left-hander 6'8", throwing that hard, that's interesting. Uh, Luke Little, give him his chances. Uh, Frankie Scalzo came on in relief. He's a reliever, but it seems like they want to turn him into a three- or four-inning reliever, and it doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense to me, but uh, Scalzo gave up a couple of runs. Jose Angel... Now I'm forgetting his name. One of the Cubs relievers got kind of lit up late. Um, but Charleston's a really good team. 
They're, they're a really good team. Uh, Triantos doubled and scored. Preciado singled and scored. Um, it wasn't a horrible night offensively, but Charleston's a really good team. Anytime you're playing a Tampa affiliate, you are being tested. And oh, by the way, starting Tuesday night, the Tennessee Smokies, who will head into their next series above 500, they're going to face the Montgomery Biscuits, who are a Tampa affiliate. That's going to be a tough one. All the Tampa affiliates are absolutely loaded. It'll be interesting. It will be a very interesting test for Tennessee. Uh, Iowa starts at noon. Iowa starts Abbott. Tennessee starts at 1. Tennessee starts Riley Thompson. South Bend starts at... They either start at 1 or 2. And they start Cole Franklin, who also is making his first appearance in two years. And Myrtle Beach starts Richard Gallardo against um, Charleston. So there is my idea on train racing, what happened in Saturday night in the pipeline, and what is upcoming on Sunday. Oh, by the way, the Chicago Cubs are 2-0. Cool. Do it. Thanks for stopping by.